right. So, man, have you guys liked this series? Like, I, I feel like this has been a good series, and I really was skeptical of it when we started, but I really think it was cool to take your questions and get to kind of answer them. So, and, and I've had a couple of you guys come up to me throughout these weeks and like hand me more questions, and I don't want you to think that I'm never going to answer them because it helps me to kind of see what you guys are interested in learning about. So it kind of helps me to form like future lessons, future series, things like that. So if you guys ever have questions about the Bible, questions about God, I never want you guys to stop feeling free to ask me those questions, okay? And you can, if you guys have never been over where my office is, <clears throat> it's over in the, ne- it's in the next building over. And it's like, if you go out this door, it's literally the window that's right there. So, so there's a door like right about there. And my office is the first one on the right. It's got a little bag hanging on the door with my name on it. And like, I hang that there so people can like leave me nice notes, but no one ever leaves me notes. And I check it frequently, but there's never anything in there. So if you ever want to just be like nice to me, you can leave me a note. Or if you ever have a question that you're like, I don't want to ask them that in person, you can drop that in there too. I really do check that bag and it's really sad. No, you guys, I've never told you guys that my last youth group, I had it up there and they would put stuff in there. And so I just did it here, but I never told anybody. So don't feel bad. I do check it though. Yeah, see, I told someone. <clears throat> so I told Dakota, so you all should have known. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so anyway, if you guys ever have questions, all that to say, if you guys ever have questions or if you guys ever need anything from me uh, that, and you just put it in the bag, okay? Or you can come talk to me. I'm not a scary guy, I promise. I'm huge, but I'm like a teddy bear, okay? Like, like bears in real life, scary. Teddy bears, not scary. Unless like they like lose an eye and like their nose comes off and then it's kind of freaky looking. But anyway, so we're in our last, we are in our last lesson of this Say What series. And um, <clears throat> when I started this series, I didn't know what Aaron's uh, sermon series he was going to be in was, was going to be. But it just happened that the way that it worked out, this last lesson corresponds really great with what he's doing uh, in, I still call it big church, because like I said, professional man-child. Like, what he's doing in big church right now, uh, so he's talking about love over there. He's talking about the power of love, and and we've already gone through two sermons, and and Aaron was nice enough uh, to let me preach the first one. I really don't know why he does that, Um, but I always enjoy getting to do that and be over there uh, and, like, teach to adults that don't laugh at me. Like they laugh at me more like because they find my jokes funny, not because they find them lame, which is like affirming at times. But, but anyway, so he let me, he let me preach the first sermon on it. And it was great because one of my favorite things, and you guys know this, one of my favorite things to teach about and talk about is how Christians are supposed to show this unconditional love for not only one another, but for God and for everyone else, you know? And, And so we talk about this all the time and I love to get to teach on that. But I also feel that one of the reasons I like to teach on this so much is because this is a big area where I find that Christians fall short of God's expectations or fall short of where God wants them to be. And that's why we see in our modern society, Christians portrayed as like judgmental, hateful, condescending, condemning, whatever you want to say. Like you've, you guys have all heard this, that people view Christians in a negative way, right? And it's because I think many Christians fall short on this idea of love. <clears throat> and so... I said some stuff at the end of my sermon a couple weeks ago, which, again, we have a youth ministry podcast and, an, and a church podcast. It's on the church podcast if you want to go check it out, but whatever. Um, I said something at the end of that 
about as Christians, we're called to love everybody. And that sounds like, okay, yeah, we're called to love everyone. But I said, it's hard to love people who feel or act or are unlovable. And I, and I blatantly mentioned things like terrorist, which is like an extreme, but it's just a reality that these are people who it is virtually like impossible to feel compassion or love towards, but yet God calls us to love all people. And so it feels like very radical to say that, but, it, but and, it's, and it's hard to even think about and wrap our brains around this idea of loving people of that caliber, but God calls us to love all people. And this shouldn't be a shocking statement that God calls us to love all because Jesus himself said that the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, love other people. And that's in Matthew 22, which is where we're going to be tonight. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. <clears throat> but I look at this and I look at this idea of loving people, especially people who are unlovable. And I have to ask myself, is there an extent to which we love people or an extent to where we don't love people? And, and I totally get that this idea of having a love that, that has no bounds, that, that has no parameters, that people can just act against us and treat us badly and do all these horrible things to us, and, and that we just continue to love them through that, it sounds impossible. But it's what we're called to do, guys. And I think about the, the many people that there are in our world, in our state, in your schools, in our towns, and even in our church. When you think about all these people, it's, it's like no shock that if you put that many people together that you're not going to like some of them, right? Like that's just human nature. Is that if you put a hundred people in a room, you're not going to like and get along with all 99 people. Right? Can we all agree on that? Just like personality-wise and just everything, there's going to be people you just don't get along with. <clears throat> and so how in the world are we supposed to love not just the other 99 people in the room, but the other 7 billion or whatever it is people in the world? Like that's a lot of people to have a lot of opposing views, a lot of differing uh, personalities, a lot of whatever you want to say causes uh, rifts between people. How are we supposed to love all these people when, quite frankly, we can't even stand some of them? So tonight we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at what it really means to love someone who's unlovable. Like, how do we do that? Like, like we're going to, well, we're going to look at what it means. We're going to look at what that looks like in your life to love someone who's unlovable. And second, we're going to look at how we can do that. How we can work to shape our lives, to, to form, to fit God's love. So I think the first thing we need to do is we really need to grasp onto this idea of what love is and what love we're talking about. So if you've never heard this before, this could be shocking to you, uh, but it's just a reality. In Greek, there's, there's actually six, but really there's four ways to describe what we view as love, right? Two of the ones are like self-love. So we're talking about like this external love, like outward focused love. There's four different words in the Greek, okay? And that's crazy 
Because when we look at the Bible, we have to remember that the New Testament was written in Greek. And so when you're translating the Bible from, from Greek to English, and we see one of any one of these four types of love, and then we write it in English, it's always love. So when we read like love God and then love others, those could literally mean two different types of love. They don't, but they could, right? It could be one type of love and you write it in English as love and then a different type of love and you write it in English as love. So we have to look at what these four different types of love really are. And, and I'll tell you guys right now, I think as, as Americans and English speaking Americans, I guess I should say, we don't fully grasp the parameters of love. Like we view love in a very, very channeled way. And, and when we look at like it having four different meanings, love can mean something so much wider. So, so I'm going to tell you right now the four things and then we'll jump into actually what they mean. But there's eros, there's philos, there's storage, and agape, okay, are the four Greek words for love. We'll go into those later, so don't worry if you didn't get those. <clears throat> but what people think when they look at the word love, and, and I'll admit, when I, someone pointed this out, as I was researching for this and I read it and I was like, whoa, that's totally exactly what we do. But people in our society, people in our world, we view love as like a grander version of liking someone, right? And, and, and I mean, we're taught this from an early age. And I thought about like when you're in like first, second grade and you're like, do you like me? Or you're like, I like you. Do you like me? Check yes or no. And you like, like, okay, we, we talk about like liking people, but we mean it in a way of like, I'm wanting to date you like kind of thing, I guess, or however second graders date. I don't even know. Like they probably like all have social media now and I have no idea, but, um, <clears throat> will you be my friend on Instagram? Um, but, uh, anyway, we use this word like as like a precursor to love. Right? Like, so I'm going to start by liking you, and then I might like like you. Right? Love, L-U-V. Oh, no. No, you got to do like like in there. Like, I, I like you, but I don't like you that way. So there's, there's like, I like you, and then there's I like you, but I don't like you that way. And then there's I like like you, and then there's like I love you. And it's like, I didn't say I love you, but I basically did. And then it's like, I love you. Like, <clears throat> there's like all these stages that you have to like follow of how much you like someone, right? And so we see, we see this word love as like the, the end result of all these stages of likeness. Right? So we're like, oh, if I start out liking them and then I like them more and then I like them more and then I like them more and then I like them a lot, I've reached love. Like it's kind of how we view it. We almost view it as like a lin linear form. But when we read the Bible and it tells us to love everyone, I don't think it fully means exactly what we phrase it in that linear form. Right? It doesn't say... You have to, and this is going to sound really crazy, so stick with me. But when it says you have to love them, it doesn't once say you have to like them. It says you have to love them. It doesn't say you have to like them. And we're going to talk about exactly what that means in a second. Yeah. I don't like my brothers, but I love them. Okay, there you go. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> so, so when we read the Bible... When we read the Bible and it says to love 
everyone, love others, love all people, love your neighbor, whatever. We view this like when we read that, we think, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to like everyone. And that's realistically not, I think, what it's saying. And so we look at certain people and we see there's no way I can love them because I don't even like them, right? And I can't love them if I don't like them, okay? And we have to realize that that this idea of love is so much wider, so much more broad and vast than what we channel it in as like the, the penultimate result of likeness, okay? And so we hear this when people say, I can't love them because I don't like them. And it checks out in our brains because it's like, well, yeah, how can you love someone if you don't first like them? And that makes sense. But we're really missing that love means so much more than just a strong like. Love is is very vast. It's very powerful. And, And I think that's why the Greeks had six words for it. Right, it, like just one word, love, didn't sum up what what it fully means. So, like I said, I had six, but we're really going to look at four tonight uh, of how we outwardly express love. So, the first one is storage. I think that's how you say it. I don't know. That's just me trying to pronounce storage really fancily because that's how it's spelled. I'm like trying to say like storage, like I'm French or something, but it could be totally wrong. But it's basically spelled storage. Okay. But, huh? No A. There's no A? There's no A. I looked it up. Oh, okay. Storage? It must have auto-corrected is what it did. I just typed it in, but anyway. So it's storage without an A. There you go. Learn something new every day. So uh, this is a parental type of love, okay? This is like, um, this is like, like what I say to you guys. You, you guys hear me say I love you guys all the time, Okay. And what I'm saying here is that I love you in this parental sort of way where I care about you and I want what's best for you and I want to help you guys grow into the best people that you can be, right? Like in the same way, that, and, and I'm not, your parents also fit other categories of love. So I'm not going to say I love you in the same way your parents do. No, your parents love you more than I do. And I don't mean that negatively on me. I'm just saying your parents love you more than I love you. Okay, hopefully. But, um, <clears throat> but Realistically, this, this type of storage love is a parental type of love. And then there's eros, which is a romantic, passionate, physical love. Okay? Like this is like what you would experience towards someone that you want to date and marry. Right? Is this eros type of love. Okay? Huh? Yeah. Okay. So this is, this is the, uh, and, and Eros, and, and I'm just going to tell you guys, we're all, we're all adults here, but like Eros is the root form of the word like erotic, right? Like that's where it comes from is, is this word Eros. So that's what it means is like a physical, passionate, romantic type of love is Eros. And then there's Philos, which if you've ever heard of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, it's where the root comes from. So Philos is a family type of love or a brotherly love okay so so if you had um if you had a group of friends you know that like your your group of girlfriends or your guy friends or whatever and you're like hey i love you guys so much like that's you're talking about a brotherly family sort of love right so that's philos and then there's the then there's the one that's used the most common in scripture 
Okay, so and I'm not saying every time because it's definitely not every time. But most of the time when you read the word love in scripture, it is this agape type of love, which you've probably heard people talk about agape love. And you may not have realized what they meant by that. But agape love is an unconditional sacrificial love. That's like all out extreme love. So, for example, your parents probably have storage and agape love for you. Right? They love you as a parent loves a kid, but they also have an unconditional sacrificial love for you. Okay? Um, You know, we can we can see that you can have one of these types of love in your life, or you can have multiple of them, okay? Or you can have one without the other. For example, you can have a Philos Philos type of love without Eros. That's called the friend zone. Okay, that's where I spent most of my high school time. Okay, that's I. That's like I love you, or I love you as a brother in Christ. Like, okay, but no, that's not what I was going for. But <clears throat> okay, so you can have different types of love without other types, or paired with different types, and it means different things, right? And so when we look at this, this call from Jesus to people to first love God and then love people, the first thing we need to, we, the first thing we need to look at is we need to look at what word did he use? If the Bible's written in Greek, okay, we're having to look and say, what word did they put down to translate what Jesus had said? Okay? <clears throat> and I looked it up because you can do this. You can actually find the Bible in Greek. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's really hard to read unless you have like a side-by-side word comparison, which I did. Um, but the word that Jesus uses here is agape. He says agape God and agape your neighbor and others. Like, right. So it's agape love is what it's talking about. So it's this unconditional sacrificial type of love. <clears throat> and And I think... If you're sitting there, if you were sitting out there going, oh, Brian's telling us all this because Jesus just told us to like, philos love them, you know, like, oh, I love them like a brother where I really hate them. But like they're, you know, like if you were wanting Jesus to give you kind of like a break in like a lower form of love. Sorry, he used agape. We look at the original text which says that we are to agape love God and agape love God others. So we are to unconditionally and sacrificially love other people. And, And here's the positive side of this, okay, is I think that this unconditional sacrificial love, it really means not so much and, and this sounds really weird, but stick with me. It doesn't necessarily mean that you care uh, about the person. It means that you care for what's best for them, right? Like you can, you can agape love someone and not like them. Like that sounds really weird, but it's true. Like I can say, I have this unconditional sacrificial love for you and I want what's best for you no matter what, but I really don't like you that much. <clears throat> and, and that's hard maybe like to piece together, but I think realistically that's what it is. And, and so I think when we look at this, we have to say like, okay, well, maybe that makes it easier to say that we just have to want what's best for them, but we don't have to like them. But we have to look at that and say, okay, maybe what's best for someone is for me to not be around them. I can do that if I don't like them, right? I can avoid someone if I don't like them. Maybe me showing them what's best for them is to not be around. But maybe they need you. Maybe you need them. 
Maybe what's best for them, the best thing for them is for you to be around them more. As much as that may be hard and as frustrating as that may sound. Agape love means that you want what's best for them no matter what. And you have to be okay with that. And, and, I, and I'm going to put it in this phrasing, okay, to help you guys t- kind of understand exactly what we're talking about here. So if push comes to shove, I would hope that everyone in here would say that they desire for everyone in the world to accept the grace of God and go to heaven. I would hope that everyone in this room could agree on that point, that our desire as a Christian is for every human that is on the planet to accept Christ God's grace and go to heaven. No matter how much we hate that person, no matter how much that person should annoy us on earth or whatever, how bad the bad things they've done, you know, whether they're like we, we talked about terrorists. I know that's an extreme example, but like no matter what range of bad things they've done, whether they hurt you specifically, talked bad about you, uh, bullied you, whatever, or they, they did something worse, like no matter what, I would hope that we could all just objectively say, I don't want anyone to spend eternity separated from God in hell. I would hope that we can all sit here and say that. And so if we truly love someone, we want what's best for them. And what's best for them is to experience salvation and go to heaven. And so we should live our life and make sure that this factor of getting the gospel presented to them so that they can experience salvation, learn about God, experience salvation, and go to heaven, we have to make sure that's our focus. That's how you love people without liking them, is making sure that they hear the gospel, whether you like them or not. And, and that, that, that kind of like, that kind of waters it down a little bit, but realistically, that's what we're talking about here. And, and that's why, like, when I talk to you guys about invite your friends to this or, hey, maybe, you know, think of these people that you want to pray for and uh, that you want to really reach out to over this next year. We have to be willing to sacrifice. I said it's a sacrificial love, right? We have to be willing to sacrifice our comfort, our social standing. And, and I mean, in extreme cases, if you're on a mission trip in a certain place, maybe be willing to sacrifice your life. To reach someone with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean that's why people go on the mission, mission trips to places where they could be killed. Because they truly love the people there. Not like in a, in a weird way. But they love them in a way that they know that they are children of God. And they want them to hear the gospel. And they would much rather lose their life and one person be led to faith in Christ there. Than to sit comfortably, comfortably at home and risk that that same one person dies and spends eternity in hell. That's what this love of other people is surrounded in. It doesn't mean that you have to like them. Does it mean you have to be nice to them? Probably, yeah. Like, let's not go out being rude to people, okay? Doesn't mean you have to like them, but it means you have to care about them to the extent that you want them to have the best they can have in this life and beyond. Guys, that's, that's what missions is. That when we talk about missions trip and the Great Commission, that's what it is. Showing love for people who maybe the world even says is unlovable.
or that people aren't willing to. So what does this mean for us? So, so we said we're going to look at two things tonight. One, what is loving others? And two, how can we love others? So now I hope you guys understand what it means to love others. Like I hope that if nothing else, you guys leave here tonight and you go, man, when the Bible says to love other people, I fully grasp that concept now. I fully understand what it means to love people with the love of God. So how do we act this out? How do we put this into play in our lives? And I really think that we see it in, in this verse that I quoted in Matthew 22. <clears throat> it says, um, so starting in Matthew 22, uh, verse 34, uh, the religious teachers were trying to trip up Jesus. And they said, uh, hearing, this, uh, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, who was an expert on the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And in verse 37 of chapter 22 of Matthew, <clears throat> Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. And I think in this moment, Jesus gave us the answer to how to love. He gave us the answer to how to love because he says, first, you got to love God. Guys, I, I don't know if I can express this to you like enough. If you don't love God and you don't have a strong relationship with God in your personal life, it makes it impossible to love other people. So if you're sitting here tonight and you're like, man, Brian, that sounds great. All the things you're saying about loving other people. But there's just people in my life that I absolutely cannot love. Maybe you need to look and examine how much time you're spending with God. How close your relationship with God. How much you're focusing on your love for God. And I'm not trying to condemn anyone with that tonight. But it's just a reality. First thing we have to do is we have to love God. I don't know... What, what, this, what this totally means for you. I mean, maybe, maybe you do love God, but maybe you don't express that to him enough. That, guys, that's what worship is. Worship isn't just singing songs. We talked about this last week. Worship is about giving God thanks, praying to God, spending time with God in his word. Yes, it can be singing songs, but worship is so much more praising God for who he is, appreciating him for loving us and sending his son to die for us. I don't know what aspect of loving God needs to, needs to maybe change for you. But we have to love God. And we have to be people who are committed to following him and his commands. And once we've done that fully, once we've fully embraced who God is, what he's done, how much he loves us, and love him in return the same way. Because guys, let's face it. <clears throat> to God, we are unlikable. Like, think about it. If you had a friend that you told not to do something and they constantly did what you told them not to do, you wouldn't like them very much, right? So, so in perspective to God who gives us these commands and we don't do what he says all the time, we are not likable people, but God loves us anyway. So once we fully accept that, grasp that, that God loves us in this way and we're able to turn that around and love him and, and appreciate him and worship him and praise him in the same way in return, we should be able to take that love from God and redirect it to other people. That's how you truly love other people. 
is by taking the love from God and distributing it. At that point, it's not about you loving other people. It's about seeing other people through God's eyes and knowing that he loves them and feeling the same way. I say this all the time, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, and, and, and this kills me every time I say it because it is huge gut check. You may be the only version of the love of God someone experiences in their life. There may be people in your schools, people in your communities, I don't know, people in any social circle you're in that have no love of God in their life. Maybe they grew up in a home that there was no love of God present. Maybe they got, became friends with, with people where there's no love of God present. And it makes them a very unpleasant person. And it's hard for you, as maybe someone who grew up in a Christian home and grew up going to church and experienced the love of God your entire life, it makes it hard for you to love that person. But if you treat them poorly, if you treat them badly, and they go, man, this person's been a Christian their whole life and they're treating me like crap. They see the love of God as condescending, condemning, and hateful. And that's why our world sees Christians as that. Is because that's the experience with the love of God too many people have. We have to live our lives... With the thought that we may be the only version of the love of God someone experiences in their entire life. And guys, that's a, that's a massive, massive responsibility. I, I, I want you to realize that and I hope you understand the weight of that. But we have to be the love of God that you experience. The love that God has shown you. You have to be that in the lives of others. Do you want to throw something in? My biggest thing is like, you guys are out here in the communities. You guys are at school. There are a lot of lost kids that you ask them to come to church with you guys on Wednesday night. That you can plant that seed. They can get loved out here on Wednesday nights. And so going back to throwing that, inviting people. Because you guys could plant that seed to the Christians and they can take that home to their moms and their dads and love one another. So Yeah, I think I think you guys sometimes and, and, and I blame a lot of this on our society and we've talked before about how people view teenagers. <clears throat> but man, you guys hold a lot more power than you know. Like I've seen times where a teenager has maybe just last minute decided to go to camp with a youth group and they experienced the love of God at camp and they came back and they ended up leading their entire family to faith in God. Guys, teenagers have power to do amazing things. Don't let anyone ever tell you that that's not true. But to do amazing things, you're first, first you have to be rooted in the love of God to do amazing things for God. <clears throat> I'm going to pray for you guys. Wrapped up a little early tonight so we can hang out for a little bit. God, thank you so much for your love. God, we don't deserve it. God, there's nothing we have ever done to earn it. But yet you still love us anyway. 
And we praise you for that and we thank you for that, God. And I just pray for all these students here that, one, they would be able to experience that love in their life if they have not. God, if they don't know you as their personal Lord and Savior and experience the love of, the, of you sending your son to die for us, that they, would, that they would realize that in their lives. They would see it in their lives acted out. They would see it in the lives of the others in here. <clears throat> and it would lead them to a personal relationship with you, God. But ultimately, I pray for those in here who do have a relationship with you, that they would abound in your love, that your love would fill them up in a way that they would be able to distribute it to the ends of this earth, God, that the people that this society, that this culture deems unlovable, that maybe some of them coming into tonight saw as unlovable, that you would just give them a burden and a passion for expressing your love and showing your love to those people, God. I pray that you would be with these students as they go throughout the weeks of these next few weeks doing your work and trying to invite people uh, to come hear your message, God. We're going to do a lot of fun things these next four weeks, but we're also going to be reaching people with the gospel. And I pray that you would just bless that and you would help us to stay focused on the mission, which is to spread your gospel throughout the ends of the earth. I pray a blessing on these students. I pray that you would just be with them every step of every day, that you would guide them and direct them in the way that you want them to go. Pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.